Oh, I'm excited for you what we have. The, what God has given me to speak to you about is transforming. We're going to talk uh, a story of a boy. But I want to uh, just tell you experiences that I've had. And lately I had the same experience. It seems to happen a few times. But the other day I was uh, somewhere and I was walking. I was at the club. And I, I was, uh, it was a week ago. And I was walking to... Uh, one of the things to do to lift, and someone walked up to me and said, you're the mean guy, aren't you? And I said, what? (laughs) I was laughing. I said, I'm the mean guy? He said, no, 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 no. You're the main guy. (laughs) And he had an accent, and I heard mean, but he said mean. So I laughed, and we began to talk, and He asked me about the church, and he asked me about what I was doing, and someone was uh, talking to him about me. And I began to think about that, though, and let me just say this to you. I'm not the main guy. And I'm going to surprise you who the main guy is. That's you. Without you, Valley Community Church cannot do a thing. Don't get religious on me. Well, Jesus is the main guy. No, he's not. He's God. Amen. He's not the big dude up on the sky. He's God. So you're the main guy, and I I am so happy that you are here today. But let let me say this to you. I am grateful that you come. I'm grateful you bring your Bible. Pastor Ben comes in the office a lot of times in the morning, and he's got his big old Bible in his arm. And you know Pastor Ben, and he just walks in there, and, and I'm just so grateful for you, Pastor Ben. I'm just so grateful for your wife and everything that she's made you. And... And by the way, who's calling you? That's God calling you, telling you the same thing. See, that was a word from the Lord there. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, whether you use your Bible, whether you use your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use today. The reason we are doing this series is to know who God is, to see how God responds every day. Real people encountered Jesus when he was on this earth. And every day, Jesus responded to them. And how he responded, we recognize that that's who God is. That's the character of God. Our ultimate goal in this series is to create an atmosphere here of the word to have the correct concept of who God is. Because if we have the correct concept of God, then our decisions, our thoughts, our belief factor will be based on God, be based on who he is. So in Mark chapter 9, it is long, what I'm going to read to you, and I hope you never get tired of Scripture. Amen? You know, they teach you in in pastoral training is not to read long passages of Scripture, and uh, the, the longer that I'm, I'm in ministry, the, the more I, I really don't believe that. I think that I could just stand up here and read Scripture and we could be healed and transformed and, and healed and is saved. So in Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 14, Jesus is coming down, watch this, from the Mount of Transfiguration. He is with Peter, James, and John. And he just finished talking, remember the story, he just finished talking With Moses, he just finished talking with Elijah and the Father. Remember, Peter says, you know, let's let's make a home for them all. You know, so that, because I just love the presence of God. I just love what God is doing. I just want to be around this all the time. Let's just build so, so they're always here. Well, let me tell you, the kingdom of God is always here. It's in your heart. It's in your spirit. This event we are reading happens to the other nine disciples. And Jesus, James, Peter, and John come up to the situation. 
And in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it says, When he came to the nine disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately, which, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to Jesus, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with my disciples? What are you discussing with the nine disciples? Now let me just pause there for a second. Can you imagine Peter, James, and John where their faith is right now? Can you imagine the way they were feeling being with the Father, the presence of God, and with Elijah and Moses, the people they heard about, they read about? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, because disciples represented Jesus. I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy, or let me just say it this way, bring him to me. Because I'm going to share with you and I'm going to talk to you about that this has been happening a long time. And the father said that it's been with him since he was a child. I believe he was high teens, low 20s. He was a man. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Notice the father began to humble himself. At first he probably walked up to Jesus with a little frustration because the disciples couldn't do anything. Have you ever been there when you're believing for something and you began to get frustrated because you just think like God wasn't hearing? God wasn't doing anything? Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus hears what we say. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he's dead, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? How come I'm not healed? How come God didn't do anything? So he said to them, this kind, everyone say this kind, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So the question we've been asking in this series is, what can we learn from this story? First of all, the first thing we can learn is sickness can be a spiritual attack. There are several instances in the Bible, what we find as you read in Scripture, and that sicknesses were a result of a spiritual attack. But let me just say some things, and let me kind of give you, uh, kind of remove the fog. We must also ascertain that sickness is not always a spiritual attack, but it can be. So when we, 
when we begin to see things and, and understand, we got to realize that the enemy comes in different ways, but also sickness happens in many different facets in our life. And Jesus is pinpointing all the reaction of the people, all the statements, all the feelings, all the unbelief, all the different statements that were made. And now he's beginning, he said some things that literally through this story of the boy, through the story of the young man, what we're going to find is we're going to find Jesus explaining every aspect of how we receive the kingdom of God that is within us, how we receive the healing power of God. And when you think that God is not doing anything, I want you to understand that God has already done. But because of a fog, there's a tendency of not that we don't believe God can, is that we have what I will say is a spirit of unbelief. We want to do well. But there is a choice that is made through experience that we don't believe God and what he's done. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is one of the scriptures that we have used much at Valley Community Church because we desire to minister the power of God to people's lives. But sometimes even that ministry cannot touch certain situations of our life. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Notice it says, if. If he had committed sins, he is forgiven. In other words, if a sick person comes and says, I need prayer, there could be a sin that causes that sickness. But not always, because it says the word if. You follow what's happening here? Okay, so stay with my thought. Verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Notice the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Doesn't say avails all. I'm removing some fog. Keep following me. So let me give you a doctrinal statement. Sickness is not always a result of sin. But it can be a spiritual attack. Scripture doesn't tell us this boy, young man, sinned, but it's saying to us the boy is being spiritually attacked. Let me ask you, have you considered what is afflicting you is a spiritual attack? Let's get a little bit deeper. Is a demonic attack. I didn't say you were demonically influenced. I didn't say that you were uh, oppressed or possessed. I said, have you considered, stepped on my shoelace, have you considered the reality that there's a spiritual attack that's happening regarding the situation that you are facing? And when you are coming against a, de a demonic force, What is, what is happening in the reality of your faith? What are you saying? What are you thinking? Where is your faith? See, now my question to you is, we think that the disciples don't have faith because of what Jesus said. 
But let me just say this to you. I believe the disciples had a lot of faith, but they didn't consider what was happening here. And Jesus talked about an unbelief. In other words, a reality of not knowing how to attain what God had planned for us, for him, this boy, this young man. So here are other scriptures telling us what was happening in a person that was a a demonic attack that caused sickness. In Luke 13, says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, was bent over and could no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Matthew 9, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. Oop, are you seeing that? Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Mark 9.22, back to the boy's story. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This spirit tried to drown the boy many times. This spirit literally threw this boy in the fire and tried to burn him to death to destroy the boy. It should not surprise you and me that a demonic spirit wants to destroy you. But has no authority. They want to attack your family. They want to attack your finances. They want to attack your health. They want to attack your job, your relationships, every aspect of your life. So listen very closely. The fog's being removed. So many times when the sickness is spiritual, we only treat the sickness medically and not spiritually. Everyone say, doctors are God's plan. I am not, the Bible does not say this. Doctors are part of God's purpose and plan on this earth to bring healing and restoration in our lives. But when it is spiritual, we have a tendency to want to treat it only medically. We must understand that any sickness can be a demonic attack or, and or a spiritual attack, but never forget this. Each time when Jesus knew it was a demonic attack, Jesus did not attack the person. Sad thing about the church, not here, but sad thing about the church is when God restored the truth about healing, people didn't see it as a demonic attack. When people prayed and they saw no result, people would say things like this. You didn't have enough faith. But that's what Jesus said. We're going to see the whole story, what Jesus was doing. Jesus was explaining to all of them, how long should I be with you to let you see the heart and the character of God that you would know the heart of God and you would know exactly what needs to be done in order to walk in health? I'm paraphrasing. People would say, you must have a secret sin. What are you hiding? That's why you're not seeing a result. There's something wrong with you. And we devastate people. That's why people out in the world, some, 
don't want to even enter into a church. We need to be a people that walk in an anointing and a love for people that are hurting and are devastated. But we need to begin to understand. And when Jesus was talking, he was also talking to the nine disciples. They would put the blame on a person. So church family, here's my encouragement to you. Please read the four gospels. Jesus never condemns people. John 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Be saved if you're not. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be transformed, might be changed. So let me give you another truth. When Jesus Christ came, we were already condemned. He came to set us free. That includes your body to save us. So here it is again. Have you considered that what you're going through is a spiritual attack? If sickness, now that's not an excuse, more fog being thrown away. That's not an excuse for not doing anything. Well, the devil's just after me. I just got to wait it out. No, 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 no. God has given you authority. He's given you purpose to walk in this earth and to do great things in the kingdom of God. You are so amazing. If you would literally see the description in heaven, well, you do, you see it in the Bible, but the description that heaven has of you and how proud God is of you and what he wants to do in you and the purpose and the plan that he has for you, you would just jump for joy. You would look at it and say, that's me? <laughs> yeah, that's you. So in the first thing, if sickness is a spiritual attack, here's the second thing we learn from the boy's story. Sickness then can be spiritually attacked. I'll say that again. Sickness then can be spiritually attacked. If it's an attack, then attack back. Now, so there is no confusion. There are several ways you can attack back. But let's notice what Jesus says or what Jesus does. Let's look at what Jesus, because Jesus is God, and how he responds is how God responds. So we need to see what Jesus is doing here. Now, what I am doing is I am teaching you doctrinal, I mean deep doctrinal truths and I'm simplifying it to let you really see just the heart of God and who God is. And I read out of Mark 9, but let's read the same story out of some other Gospels. Let's read it out of Matthew 17. If you go to Matthew 17, we're going to read verse 19 through 21. It says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely because of your unbelief, everyone say unbelief. unbelief. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So we find unbelief, faith is the opposite of unbelief. Right? We're looking at, okay. So because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, everyone say, however. however. I want to tell you, when you see however in the Bible, it is an amazing, wonderful word, because it stops you and says, now look at what I'm about to say. However, this kind, everyone say this kind. This kind. 
does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So the disciples asked a straightforward question. Why could we not cast it out? Here's Peter, James, and John, just like we were in the presence of God, walking down, and they get there, and the disciples are defeated. Because of what? Experience. How many of us are living right now on such a mountain of faith and belief and excitement of the things of God, and how many of us here today, or those that we know that haven't even come to church, that are living a defeated life? Because they've had people arguing with them and pointing their finger at them and say, why do you even go to church with what's going on in your life? So that's what the scribes were doing. You know, those are little puny scribes. You know, Jesus was out of town, so they were attacking the disciples. Jesus came into town and, woo. Jesus' response was not, I don't know, to the question, why could we not cast it out? His answer was very simple. Because of your unbelief. He wasn't condemning anybody, but he was saying, I've been telling you this. How long do I have to be with you? So the answer is, with faith, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? With faith, nothing is impossible. Then Jesus says this wonderful word, magical word, however. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, right away, you can listen to 10 different Christian stations and get 10 different ideas or thoughts of what verse 21 was saying. But I'm going to try to clear the fog and just bring you to what Jesus was saying. And what Jesus said is what God says. And what Jesus did is what God does. And if we will understand that in the simplistic way, then what we will begin to do, there are situations in your children's life and your grandchildren's life and your parents' life, there are things going on and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you're hurting, you're frustrated, you don't know what to do, you're embarrassed, some of you. And I'm saying to you, let the fog clear, and let's see what Jesus said, learning from the boy story. People say this kind, this kind speaks of this kind of demon. This kind of demon. So there's a certain demon. Now, could that be true in some sense? Possibly. This type of spirit. This type of prolonged sickness, it's the kind of sickness. It's, it's what this sickness is. It takes longer for God to fix this. This type of stronghold on this boy. Because it's been since he was a child, and now he might be 18, 19, 22, 23 years old. It's been a long time. And so because it's been a long time, it's going to take a long time to fix it. Could that be true in some sense? But let me tell you this. This boy now is a man, the father said from his childhood, and because he's, he's a teen, a, a high teen or, or lower 20s, we need to understand that there's something here that they didn't understand that caused unbelief. Another school of thought is, this kind of unbelief goes out of you by prayer and fasting. That's what Jesus said. Another school of thought is, this kind of faith only builds by prayer and fasting. So in other words, the only way you can get this kind of faith to deliver this out 
is through prayer and fasting. So the scripture says the only way to cast that demon out is faith. To get that kind of faith is through prayer and fasting. Many of you, because you're a Valley Community Church, you journal. You go through the Word of God every single day. And your faith is built up. But what Jesus was saying, that this kind of faith that was needed to work and, and, and to deliver this young man, this kind of faith only came through a process of prayer and fasting, not praying over the boy, but prayer and fasting to develop faith. So the question now is, does this kind, the word kind, does this kind refer to a demon? Unbelief? Or faith? Let me just tell you, mm-hmm, yes. Okay? So all the thoughts are good thoughts, but what did Jesus say? What did, how did Jesus respond? And how he responded, that's how God thinks. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's how this kingdom that resides in our spirit can just explode out of us and we can see the power of God move in every area, but this kind of faith is only developed through prayer and fasting. So there are things in your life, in people that you know, that your faith is huge. Jesus did not condemn anybody. Jesus did not point their finger and say, oh. he said the kind of faith that you needed, you don't have. He didn't say you didn't have faith. Amen? So what do we do as a church? Well, you know, you just don't have faith. No. And people leave crying because they're hurt because someone who's supposed to be spiritual tells them a lie and condemns them. You have faith, but you don't have a kind of faith. And the kind of faith comes from prayer, fasting and prayer. Excuse me, it needs to be fasting and prayer. So here's my opinion, basically with all I just spouted out with. It doesn't matter referring to this kind, the answer is still prayer and fasting. Whether it's trying to deliver a demon or get unbelief out of your heart and get faith in there, the answer is Prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer. Now, let me just talk a little bit about fasting with prayer. Fasting without prayer is called dieting. The reason for fasting is to pull back from the world and press into God. Now, let's go back. Where did Jesus just come from? The presence of the Father. Where all faith is there. No sickness or disease is there. Like, if you're going to fast, don't work through your lunch and say, I'm fasting. You're dieting. Take your lunch break, drive to a park, or go hide somewhere in the corner of the building, get your Bible out, and spend time with God. That's fasting with prayer and pray. This kind goes out by prayer and fasting. So there were some scribes there with unbelief. There were some with faith, disciples. There were other people that were frustrated. There was a father who was devastated, and there was a young man who looked terrible. Can you imagine being thrown in the fire many times when you were a child, what he would look like? 
Can you imagine when he would walk down the street, normal, sort of, and people would look at him and say, that's that weirdo. What's wrong? What curse is on that family? Is the fog lifting? Fasting is not fun. In the flesh, we don't want to do it. But it draws us to God and it builds our faith. Also, fasting, you'll have to write this out. I didn't put this in the notes because I want you to really hear this and I want you to write it in your words. Fasting is not for God's benefit. It doesn't help God at all. It helps you. It helps me. Fasting does not earn God's favor either. Jesus was already whipped for me, and I already have God's favor. Fasting is for my benefit, so I can have a breakthrough in the area that I'm facing. Don't do a fast either to twist God's arm because Jesus' arm was already twisted and a nail was put through it. This story, church family, doesn't teach us there are some things more difficult for God This boy's story teaches us in some situations it takes more effort on our part. The effort is the faith and the way we build our faith is by pulling back from the world and pressing into God. I know you're all writing and you can get the CD or after about 2.33 o'clock this afternoon, you can go on computer and uh, listen to the podcast again. Stop it, write it down, forward, write it down. Amen. That's how you learn. That's how you grab a hold of the things of the Lord. Here's the third thing we need to see from the boy's story. Jesus likes to give people their lives back. The people Jesus encountered, their joy was stolen. Their peace was stolen. Their health was stolen. And Jesus gave it back to them and he did it for three years. By the way, <laughs> he's still doing it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Most of this boy's life was stolen. He's a young man now. He has scars from the fire. He has scars from life, from rejection. And he was mocked. And he couldn't control it. So many people are afraid when delivered that it will come back. Sometimes I am with people and, and Brother Bob LaRiva just sent me or gave me a letter from a gentleman that he led to the Lord at a Wendy's and been ministering to him, the guy had cancer. And the letter came from the hospital that um, after a few months of working with him and saying he had cancer, 
planning to go through the whole process of what it takes for medical situation to be delivered and to be healed. They sent him a letter and said, this last test showed us that you have no cancer at all in your body. Amen. This is something that is not, you know, like everyone's got to do this, have a ministry of handkerchiefs, but our brother um, anoints with oil handkerchiefs, sprays a little perfume on it, and prays over it and gives it to people. He's had countless testimonies. I'm not trying to lift Brother Bob up. He's probably dying in his seat right now. But the reality is, is that he is moving in a realm that God called him to do that. Maybe God's called you in other areas to minister the power of God in people's lives. Healing is a subject that creates great havoc in families, great havoc in churches, because there are some instances, and may I say many instances, where people are prayed for, and they're not healed, and they may even die, and so they don't want to hear the teaching on healing. They don't want to hear the subject of healing because that subject brings back memories and brings back pain and the confusion and the frustration that we read in the story. And what Jesus was doing was pulling back the curtain, was removing the fog on every emotion and every feeling and every thought that everybody had. In that story can give you an answer to every question that you have. That story does not cause blame. That story does not point a finger at you and say, it's your fault. You didn't have enough faith. It's your fault because you. It just removes the fog, pulls back the curtain, and says, this is what faith really is all about. This is what you do to live this life. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them that love the Lord and that are the called. Amen? And we have to get to a place in our life that there are situations that are spiritual attack. There are situations that sickness is there. There are situations that there's demon possession. There's oppression. There's depression. There's all kinds of things that go on. But bottom line, some of these things are removed because the faith that we have is not at the level of removing that very thing. Now, the Bible says the faith of a mustard seed, it's small. But literally people, pastors, chastise people who minister in healing and want to say, you're a fake. That you believe in that. Why do you believe in that? Because so-and-so died. So-and-so still has their sickness. So-and-so still has arthritis. So-and-so is going through this. And you prayed and you prayed and you anointed with oil. You slapped oil. You poured oil. You threw a handkerchief on them. You kicked them. Whatever. Smith Wigglesworth punched a woman in the stomach one time. I would never do that. I know lawyers. I'd be sued. But he did, and cancer was removed. Don't any of you punch anybody in the stomach either. But are you hearing what, we, what we'd learn from God? Because we're afraid that it's going to come back. You've got to go five years before you're free of cancer. You gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta, and we're afraid. Hmm. Notice what Jesus said in verse 25. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him 
and enter him no more. Jesus gave him his life back by prayer and fasting, by fasting and prayer. Some of you have a wayward child. You have great faith. You've prayed. You've wept. Fasting and prayer. See, fasting is you're pressing into God. You're spending time. You're pressing into the presence of God. What Jesus was giving the picture of is this is just what I had. I was with God. I was in the presence of God. And when he was there, Peter, James, and John, Elijah, Moses, there was no sickness. There was no disease. The power of God. You get to the place where when things aren't right, you say, okay, whether it's a spiritual attack, whether it's a demonic attack, whether you drink wrong water, whether you ate bad food, whether you had family that has had heart problems for six generations, God wants to give your life back, the life that he planned. And you have to get in the Word. You have to press into God. And your prayers cannot be filled with, oh, God. Yeah, I know I'm God. Oh, God. Yes. God, in your presence, I have experienced such great joy when I've set myself aside to fast and prayer. I believe what your word says because I've felt it. I've grown. Oh, yeah, you're in the word of God building your faith. That's how the faith is built. But sometimes in the word, in fasting and prayer, will get you to that faith level that you walk up to the most, the biggest mountain you'll ever experience and you'll say in Jesus' name, you move. And it has to move because you took that extra effort to get into it. So let me give you an example. So if someone comes down for prayer and we pray for them, but there's sin in their life and sin created the atmosphere of the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy, being out of fellowship with God, and we pray the prayer of faith, but the person still goes out and sins. Amen? Will that be moved? If someone comes in to a doctor's office and says, I've had this, and it's been, I don't know where it's come from. I don't know how this happened. This is not in my family. It's not... Oh, this is strange. This is weird. Let's go ahead and study this. And the doctor's doing the best they can to help you to, to create that. But it's a spiritual attack. They can give you the best medicine in the world, make you feel better. But I'm going to say from the south, it ain't going to work because it's spiritual. And you've got to defeat it spiritually. Jesus wants to do the same with you what he did with this young man in the boy's story. So what have we learned? Sickness can be a spiritual attack. Sickness then can be spiritually attacked through prayer and fasting, fasting and prayer. And Jesus' character is that he wants to give your life back. Today is a new journey. Today is a new season in every one of your lives. This journey and this season is that you now see clearly the boy's story. And now you understand in the areas of people's lives, it's not about what's happened in the past, 
The child was like this from childhood. It's not about that. It's about, it was about unbelief because they didn't know, because they didn't fast and pray. Because they, their faith wasn't at the level. I want to tell you, if it's a spiritual attack and you're not getting a result, then you spend some time, you on Saturday evening, instead of going out to eat or bowling or whatever, by the way, bowling's fun, but going bowling or whatever, you get to the place where you say, I'm going to spend two hours down at the beach. And I'm going to put my, my feet in the sand and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm gonna, why I'm doing that is so that my faith will be built so that when I face that situation again or I'm facing that situation, my faith will be at a level where when I say in Jesus' name, everything just pays attention and you say, you leave that body in Jesus' name. You leave my body in Jesus' name. You get your filthy hands off of my son, off of my daughter. You get your filthy hands off of my family. You get your hands off of my business. Amen? And when, when you do that, all things are possible. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Everyone say, the fog has been lifted. Amen. Father, thank you for salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. I proclaim that over this house and over everybody that we touch in the marketplace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessings upon blessings upon these amazing people, your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all. Have an amazing day.